true story. Five strangers living in a house and having their lives taken to find out what happens when people stop being polite and start being real. The, the real world, Daniel Plan style. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, what's up? Hey. hey. I guess we ordered pizza again tonight, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was all George. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe let's close this up for now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why can we eat any pizza? Maybe there's definitely some healthier cho choices out there, Mike. Um, Mike, he's right. Just let it go. He's right. What, he's are, we, right. what are we eating tonight? Who? I don't know. Scott. I don't want anything. I think that George just keeps tempting me. He just, he, he looks at me like I'm such a... Failure. Well, have you eaten anything? I'm just, I'm just, I'm drinking water. <laughs> Getting these phone calls. Now, I'm really, I'm really starting to believe in what Daniel has to offer. He seems like a good guy and I think he really cares. It's really tough. I just wish I had a little bit more encouragement in this house. You know, some people are doing their own thing and some people are kind of selfish. Joe just cares about his body. He has a nice body, but, I mean, whatever. And George, he just gets to eat whatever he wants. And I feel like they don't care at all. We don't care about anybody in this house. But I think, I think Daniel, he means well. And I, I want to give this a shot. But it's tough. And, and I, I get tempted. But I think I'll be okay. Well, we should definitely look for some better options for you. We definitely have to eat something. Right? Hey, man, Molokaya has like six grams of protein in it. That's how you get all the babes. Yeah. Hey man, this Daniel plan has really been working for me. I'm down to like 8% body fat. I got like four numbers last night. Woo! Daniel plan. Mm. Actually, yeah, definitely have sex with grains of protein. It doesn't really matter that we get babes because of it, but yeah, that's definitely, that's a good option. Yeah. This week was definitely a breakthrough week. Um, we, we've been seeing results and a lot of the members, uh, in the house, you know, we we want to make sure that all these misconceptions are out of their head. Um, you know, so somebody thinks that you don't have to really care about what you're eating. Another one thinks you don't eat at all, but it's really just eating an abundance of the right things. Mike, we paid pretty good money for the pizza. Kind of want to eat it. It's got stuffed crust. Yeah, well, there's also these veggies here that you guys haven't touched. We could have some nice uh, protein and chicken or a, a nice piece of steak. You know, just whole foods that are more farm to fork instead of going through all this processing. Daniel, they put the cheese in the crust. I don't get this new Daniel guy. And I don't understand this Daniel plan. I don't understand any people in this house. This plan is not sustainable. I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting angry. I'm getting angry. Cut it, cut it. Uh, has anyone seen George? No, I haven't seen him. Oh, no, where is that? Yeah, I haven't heard from him.
at the well. Uh, we're so happy to have you guys here at STSA. And before we start, let me just kind of state the obvious and just kind of call out the elephant in the room, if you will. And I know a lot of you were expecting to see Father Anthony here. And Father Anthony felt like in order to give this Daniel plan enough legitimacy, enough credibility, he really needed to find the most buff, most in shape, most muscular guy to kind of give this talk. <laughs> so obviously, that guy wasn't available, so then he just called me and basically said, I got nothing today, like I need you to fill in. But we're gonna have some fun today, okay? And I'm in a, a joking mood, I hope you guys are in a joking mood. Actually, someone, last week actually, I was, was hanging out with someone, someone came to me and said, I have a four month old son. Someone came and said, ever since you've had your son, you've been a lot more like lighthearted, a lot more joking. So like, what is the difference? It's funny to ask a new dad, like, what's the difference? Everything's different. But I thought about it, and I, I answered him. I said, once you've been covered in poop and pee simultaneously, like, the world is not that serious anymore. Like, there's not that much you can take seriously anymore. And the worst thing is when I found out that my son, there's no greater joy in his life than when I am covered in his poop and pee. Okay, that's like, you know, his, his, his joy in, in, in life. So anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the Daniel plan. And how many of you went to Daniel Plan Life Groups this week? Raise your hand if you went to a Daniel Plan. Wonderful, wonderful. Hopefully you went to a Daniel Plan Life Group and hopefully you got some good food, some good fun, some fellowship, and hopefully the Daniel Plan is off to a good start for you. And just to recap, I know last week was a holiday weekend. If you missed last week, the Daniel Plan we started talking about, the Daniel Plan ha having a direct correlation between all of the different aspects of health in my life where we always looked at health in a compartmentalized way, right? We said, okay, here's my spiritual health. I need to be spiritually healthy. And then my physical health has nothing to do with my spiritual health. If I want to be physically healthy, I'm going to focus on that. Then my mental health is a separate issue. Then my relational health. But what the Daniel plan, what we saw last week, is there's a direct correlation to my spiritual health, with my physical health, with my mental health, and my relational health. I cannot compartmentalize them anymore. They are all interconnected or intertwined. That was kind of what we talked about last week. And we talked about the five F's of the Daniel Plan. And these are the main focuses of health that we're going to focus on over the next six weeks. If, to recap, what, what were they? They were faith, food, fitness, focus, and friends, right? The five F's of the Daniel Plan. So every week in your life groups, you're going to be looking at a different aspect of health. The great thing about the Daniel plan, and really the thing that I actually went through the Daniel plan a few months before we started it as a church campaign, the thing that I loved about the Daniel plan is it wasn't like a quick fix diet. Okay, it wasn't like do this exercise program or change this diet or something like that and you'll be healthy. And actually while we're on that topic, let me just caveat for a second and just kind of clarify something so everyone can hear me, okay, because I know some people. The Daniel plan has nothing to do with weight loss. Did everyone just hear what I said? Let me repeat it again. The Daniel plan has nothing to do with weight loss. The Daniel plan has everything to do with being healthy. And being healthy comes in all different shapes and sizes. And being unhealthy as well comes in all different shapes and sizes. So that's what the Daniel plan is about. It's about being healthy. And if we really want to get healthy, it's not a quick fix diet. It's not an exercise program. But it's about creating lifestyle changes in our lives. It's about creating long-lasting change and creating lifestyle choices that help us get healthy. And that's where we struggle because we are experts at short-term change, 
right? If you tell me I need you to cut this out for two weeks, I cut it out for two weeks. You tell me I need to start this habit and keep it for a month, I'll create, I'll do this for a month. But to create a lifestyle change, to create a long-lasting change, it's a whole different ballgame. There's a whole different set of, of, of principles that we need to apply to create lasting change in our lives. So that's what we want to talk about today. And specifically, we're going to be talking about five principles for creating lasting change. Now, these principles, you can apply to any area of your life. You want to change your financial health, you can apply these principles to your financial. You want to change you know, your relational health, whatever area of change you want to create in your life, you can, create, you can apply these principles. But at the end of the talk, we're going to talk about one area that we're going to focus on this week in your life groups, and we'll talk about that at the end. What you're going to notice about these principles is the biblical verse that supports each of these principles comes from Romans 12. And that's significant because Romans 12 is a few chapters after Romans 7. And if anyone knows what's in Romans 7, okay, the whole book of Romans is really about change, where St. Paul talks about transforming from one thing to another being a new creation in Christ. St. Paul talks about transforming yourself in the book of Romans. And Romans 7, St. Paul, it's actually a very famous chapter. St. Paul really shows his human side. And St. Paul says something kind of confusing, but he says, that which I want to do, I can't. And that which I hate, I do. St. Paul's basically saying, I'm trying to pick up this new habit. I, I know this is right. I know I should be doing this, but I can't do it. And there's this thing that I keep on doing, and I keep on doing, and I keep on doing, and I know I should stop, and I know I should stop, but I cannot stop. I can't change. What is the secret to this whole change business? So he says that in Romans 7. So now we're going to look in Romans 12 of the five principles to create lasting change. Let's jump into them. First principle of lasting change is the principle of dedication. I commit my body to God. Write that down. Romans 12 Verse 1, the first, chap the first verse of Romans 12, says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Just like we talked about last week. Why do we start with the body? If you want to change, if you want to create a new change in your life, why do you have to start with the body? Because the body is really all that you have. Right? Father Anthony was saying last week, if someone says, offer your heart to me, okay, here's my heart. Somebody says, give me your spirit. Okay, here's my spirit. Like, you know, when, when someone, again, I'm, I'm giving away one of my secrets. So you know when someone says, hey, man, you want to come to my party next week? There's a person you have no desire to hang out with whatsoever. Just say, hey, come to my party. We're going to have fun. What do you say to him? Say, you know what? I can't be there, but you know what? I'm going to be with you in, and that means I don't want to be in the same room with you. I have no desire to be anywhere near you at this party. And therefore, I'll tell you, I'm going to be with you in spirit because it costs me nothing to be with you in spirit. Your body is all you have. Your body really is the most precious thing that God has given you. And there's a simple principle that you need to understand is that your body affects your behaviors, right? Or said in a way that smart people, using smart people words, your physiology affects your psychology. Let me give you an example. Okay, we have the World Cup today, right? Everyone, Argentina, Germany, everyone's excited. Every time I watch the World Cup, I think back to like Little League when I used to play soccer. Okay, and there are many, many things that I'm decent at. Soccer is not one of them. I suck at soccer. I'm the worst soccer player that's ever been created. I have two left feet. And the worst part of playing Little League soccer when you're not good at soccer is the end, and it's usually the most exciting part, but not if you're not good, which is something called penalty kicks. 
Okay, and penalty kicks are the worst if you're not good because the coach says, hey, Mesa, you get up there and you have to walk all the way to the ball and everyone is watching you, okay? And what is your body doing at this point? Your body, your knees start shaking, right? You start trembling. You look to see if you can, like, make yourself throw up so they can, like, take you to the side. You're looking for your mom or your dad. or Your body is going crazy right now. And everyone that's watching knows exactly what's about to happen. You're about to kick that ball into the eighth row of the bleachers and not even close to the goal because my body predicted my behavior and vice versa. You see these professionals get up there and the guy struts up there and he knows exactly what he's doing. He's the best soccer player in the world and you know exactly what's going to happen. That ball is going to go right to the back end of the, the corner of the goal and he's going to score a goal because his body is the best predictor of his behavior. So if you want to change your behavior, the logical thing is I need to change my body. Or as St. Paul says, I need to offer my body. How do we offer our bodies? There's three ways that we can offer our bodies as an act of worship. And these three are going to be very applicable this week in your Daniel plan. The first way, and they all start with C, is by cleansing our bodies. The whole principle is a computer principle, IT principle, is garbage in, garbage out. That if you put bad stuff inside of something, it is impossible for something good to come out of it. It's not possible for you to fill yourself with bad stuff and expect good stuff to come out of it. This week's focus in the Daniel plan is what? Food. Why are we not talking about fitness and focus and, and, and friends? Why aren't we talking about that? Because it's impossible to have enough energy to exercise if you're putting bad food inside of you. That's not possible. It's impossible to have the mental energy and the mental capacity to have positive thinking and, and to really focus if you're putting bad stuff inside of you. It all starts with what you put inside of you. Garbage in, garbage out. So we need to cleanse. We need to detox from the bad stuff that we put inside of us. And that's what you're going to talk about in your life groups. And I won't go into detail about that. That's going to be the point of discussion in life groups is what is the bad stuff that I'm putting inside of me and how is it debilitating my ability to live my best? This is a biblical principle. 2 Corinthians 7.1, St. Paul says, Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God that contaminates the body and spirit. And by the way, this is an orthodox principle. Right? Our beautiful Orthodox Church and the Church Fathers of the Early Church taught us this principle. They said before you approach the beauty of the, the, the Eucharist, before you approach any of the sacraments, what do you have to do? You have to cleanse the inside of the cup through repentance and confession. That's an Orthodox principle. It's a Daniel plan principle. It's a principle that is truth in our lives. Garbage in, garbage out. We need to first cleanse our bodies in order to offer our bodies as an act of worship. The second principle is we need to care for our bodies. By caring for our bodies, do we offer worship to God. So like I was saying, I have a four-month-old son at home. Okay, and we actually have a friend who has had some like extra time in the summer. And she has very graciously offered to like care for our, our son while me and my wife are both working full time. And with all due respect to every nanny that has ever nannied in the history of all nannies, she is the greatest nanny that has ever walked upon the face of the earth, okay? And the way she cares for my son is unbelievable. And the way she loves him 
and, and takes care of him and does everything he needs and goes above and beyond what we asked for is something that I, 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 can't, like, I can't believe every time I see it. And I always ask myself, why is she doing it? Is she doing it for the money? No. Is she doing it, you know, because she's got nothing better to do, you know, during the summer? That's not it. Is she doing it because Mateo is just such a radiant and charismatic little figure? No, he's a little monster. Okay, why is she doing it? And what I realized is, I think something she realized is that my son is the most precious thing that I have currently. Okay, my son is the most precious thing in my life. He's the most valuable thing that I have. And when she comes and I, I go to work and I give her my son, I am entrusting her with the most precious thing that I have. I am giving her the most valuable thing that I have. So when I come home from work and she presents him back to me, okay, what, what, what would my reaction be if he was like not fed and he was crying and his diaper smelled and he hadn't changed from the morning? Like that's the most precious thing I have. So when she gives him back to me, at the end of the day, when I come home, she wants to present him in the greatest condition possible. She wants him to, to, she wants me to see that he was cared for, he was loved, he was fed. He is in the best condition possible. So when I come back, the most valuable thing I have is received in the best condition possible. That's the same thing with your body. Your body was created by God and for God only. Your body was given to you by God. And if you think that my son is more precious to me than your body is to God, let me just remind you in Genesis, okay, when your body was created, God said, let me make man in my image. Can you believe that? That you were created in God the Father's image. Is that the verse? Let me make man in my image, right? No, 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 no. Is it something even more? God said, let us make man in our image. So your body is in the image of the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. The image of the Trinity is in your body. You're going to tell me your body isn't precious? You're going to tell me your body isn't valuable to God? That he was willing to put the image of the Trinity on your bodies. How precious are our bodies to our Creator? And my fear is that some of us are going to get to the pearly gates one day. God's going to look at us and say, what did you do with this gift I gave you? I gave you the image of, of, of my Father, Son, and Spirit. What did you do with this body that I so delicately designed, that I so wonderfully made? What did you do with it? Are we going to just show up to God? I'm, I'm fearful that some of us treat our bodies not like a nanny who cares for our son, but like a rental car that we have for a weekend. You know the rental car and you get it for a weekend? Right? What do you do? You bash the, the heck out of that thing. You slam on the gas, slam on the brakes, windows, air condition, food. You do whatever you want because who cares? I'm going to give it back uh, in a couple days. I'm never going to have to see it again. What do I care? I've just got it for a couple days on the weekend. Are we treating our bodies like that? Are we going to get to heaven and say, I got 60, 70 years. That's okay. Let me live life. I don't need to take care of my body. When I get to heaven, I'm going to get a new body. I'm just renting this one out. Or are we treating our bodies and caring for our bodies as the most precious thing that God has given us? 1 Corinthians 6, 19, St. Paul says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. That price, of course, was the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. So our bodies are the most precious things that we have to offer back to God. So the first thing we do is we cleanse our bodies. The second one is we care for our bodies. And the third way we offer our bodies 
as an act of worship to God is we control our bodies by controlling our bodies. The key to controlling your body is all about your motivation. Okay, you automatically, by controlling your body, are not offering God an act of worship. And the example is, like, if you go to the gym and you see those meatheads, okay, they control their bodies more than anybody, right? They, you know, exercise and they're lifting weights and they discipline their body. They bring it into subjection and they are really controlling their bodies. And they are doing it for the sole purpose of worshiping themselves, right? They control their bodies to create a temple to worship themselves. But when I control my body and when my motivation is to offer my body back to God and to worship God, this becomes an act of worship. 1 Thessalonians 4.4, 4, St. Paul says, Each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. There is something about having the ability to do something and saying no and not doing it and controlling myself. Like, there is something, like, if I say, okay, I want to, you know, kill this person. And I say, no, no, I'm not going to kill this person because it's against the law. That's bad. Okay. But if I have a Twinkie in my hand right now, and I say, I want to eat this Twinkie. I bought this Twinkie for two fifty. I paid for it. I, I brought it here. It is in my possession. It is in my right to eat this Twinkie. And I choose not to. There is something about that decision that offers worship to God. That it's, it's, it's a victimless crime. It's not even a crime. It's a Twinkie. You know, it doesn't hurt anybody. But I choose to discipline myself and bring my body into subjection and control my body. That becomes an act of worship to God. So that's our first principle, the principle of committing our bodies to God. Second principle is the principle of concentration. I refocus my mind. The second verse of Romans 12, like we said, we're going through Romans 12 today. The second verse says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The phrase that I underlined, circled, or starred was pattern of this world. And to me, that's a really, really scary verse for where I'm at right now. Okay, let me just kind of share. I know I'm, I'm doing a lot of baby references today, but that's okay. Something that's going on in my life right now is I read a lot of baby articles in my life. Okay, and, and let me be more kind of clear. Is when I wake up in the morning, somehow, there is 17 new baby articles from nmessa at gmail.com in my inbox every morning. Okay, and I always laugh with my wife saying, there's no, like, unsubscribe button to her emails. Like, I always look for the unsubscribe button. She always sends these articles. She keeps on inundating me with articles. I'm trying to read all of them. And I start going through them, and there's something I read about, okay, that I'm, I'm kind of summarizing, but it was something that really scared me. And I think it's kind of a, a, a jolting thing. It's the principle that said that, it said like 90%, I know I'm just kind of summarizing here, but it said like 90% of what a child learns in their life, of their worldview, is derived from behavioral patterns he or she picks up in the first like six to eight years of their life. So the majority of things that your child perceives about in the world is derived, comes from a model that they see in the first years of their life. That scares, you know, any new parent. And when you think about it, it's so true. My child's life view of money will be determined by how I talk to him about money. If I say, in the Mesa household today, money is everything. And money, 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 money. And we're going to work hard. And when you're seven, you're getting a job. And you're going to save money. And you're going to do all this. And money is the most important thing in this world. How's he going to grow up? 
How's he going to grow up thinking? I need to step on people to get money. I need to do whatever. I need to steal, kick, bribe, do whatever it takes to get money. That's his worldview of money. His worldview of food will be dictated by how we show him food. If we say, you know what? There are no social gatherings unless there's food involved. Nobody can talk to each other unless there's food in the middle of us. He's going to go to people's houses and say, where's my dinner? I can't hang out with you unless there's food around. His social view of, of food or his worldview of food is going to be dictated by how I show him food. The same thing with like his worldview of the Washington Redskins. He's going to be cheering at the top of his lungs for the Washington Redskins. Why? Because they're winning so much? No. Okay, not because they're winning, but because he sees his dad every Sunday cheering for them. And he's going to learn to curse the Dallas Cowboys a little bit. Okay? That's just going to be how he learns how to, how to think. So the key principle or the key takeaway I take from that is in order to change my life, I have to change my model. Now this is where I was really challenged to really ask myself some tough questions of what is your model or what is my model of certain things that are in regards to the Daniel plan? Is what, what are the, the ingrained models in my life that I need to really refocus and re-kind of configure my mind? What are the, the ingrained models about food in my life that maybe I don't know about? What are the ingrained models of exercise or being healthy or being fit? What do I need to refocus and what do I need to kind of refocus my mind on? We need a paradigm shift in the way we think about things. Okay, Rick Warren says something funny. He says, attitudes are like diapers. You've got to change them every once in a while or else they start to stink. Okay, we need to change the way we think. I'll give you an example of myself. Okay, I did the Daniel plan a few months ago and really my whole concept of food completely shifted. I never knew that I had a model of food until I really started thinking about it. And my model of food growing up in my house was food didn't really matter. Like it was not something we thought about because my mom is the world's greatest cook and she cooked all the time. And so anytime we wanted to eat, we would go open the fridge and whatever was there, we ate. And, you know, as long as I, I looked somewhat decently in shape, then I was healthy. I didn't need to worry about what goes in me and what goes out of me. That didn't matter to me because there was always food. I always looked fit. And that's food. And that quickly changed a couple years ago when my wife got very, very sick and started to revisit this whole idea of food in her own life as well as in my life. And we'll see that in a little bit at the end of the talk. But that started to change. Then I started to think, wait a second. Man, what I'm putting in my body is really affecting me. I'm not living my optimal health. I'm not living at my highest capacity. And wait a second, just because you look healthy, just because you look fit, doesn't mean you're actually healthy. That totally changed, and I had to refocus my mind on what it means to be healthy. What better time to really refocus our mind than during the Daniel plan? You have six weeks to really think about these things and really evaluate yourself. Now that leads into our third principle. Our third principle is the principle of evaluation. I must humbly assess my current state. Now as soon as I say two buzzwords, evaluation and assess, there's always two groups of people. Okay, there's the optimist and the pessimist. The optimist says, everything's great. I check all the boxes. I'm good to go. Don't need to listen anymore. The pessimist says, you know what? Life is the worst. I'm the worst. Everything is terrible in my life. And the truth is that both are really, really, really bad attitudes 
to create lifestyle changes. Because both ideas are really the opposite sides of the same coin. They're both pride and guilt. And pride and guilt are really the same thing. Pride and guilt are two of the biggest barriers to life change in your life if you want to create long-lasting change. Romans 12.3 answers this. St. Paul says, says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, he's speaking to the optimist, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. If I ask someone for directions, if I call up you know, Joey Q and I say, Hey, Joey, I need directions to your house today. He's going to say, okay, you take 66 West, make a left on Main Street, make a right on Cardinal Glen, and then you're at my house. Well, what if I'm on the other side of 66 and I'm supposed to take 66 East or 66 West? Like, how do you know how to give me directions unless you know where I'm starting? Okay, it's not enough for me to know where I want to go and how to get there. I need to know where I'm starting from. And that's what the first part of the Daniel plan is all about, is really assessing where I'm at. Because you can't just create goals without assessing your current state. This is a great time to really assess where you're at within the five F's of the Daniel plan. To assess your food, to assess your level of fitness, to assess your focus, to assess your friendships and relationships, and to assess your spiritual health or your faith. The two practical applications for assessing yourself. The first one is to record your starting numbers. Now let me caveat, because like we said, the Daniel plan is not about weight loss, it's about being healthy. So I like numbers, because numbers are very tangible, are very, like, numbers never lie, right? That, that, that's, I like recording your starting numbers. The Daniel plan encourages people to record their height, their waist size, their weight, their blood pressure, like all of those key metrics. But there's other things that you can record that are not about weight. You can record like your habits. At the beginning of the Daniel plan, I ate seven and a half Twinkies a day. Therefore, my goal and my current state is seven and a half Twinkies. My goal is to get to zero Twinkies, but you know, like two, three, like, you know, you can, you can record your beginning habits of I drink five cups of coffee or, or three liters of soda every day. That's your, your initial state. That's your current state. And then you record where you want to be or your goal for that. So recording your starting metrics, whatever metrics you want to record, record, as long as you can measure them. The second one that you have to do is after recording your starting numbers is to record your progress daily. Okay, and that's one of the biggest motivators as you go through the Daniel plan, is you're going to be going and you're going to say, you know what, I'm starting off not in good health, the seven Twinkies a day. But you know what, by the end of week two, maybe I'll get to five Twinkies a day. Like, you don't need to get to zero by week two. Like, you just need to be making progress, and you need to be recording that progress. Because the simple truth is that the only goal that you cannot accomplish is the one that you don't measure. And if you are not measuring and tracking that goal, you cannot accomplish that goal. You know, and something I did when I started Daniel Plan, I was not, like, eating well. So the first thing I did is I cut out soda. I was a big, like, soda guy. So, like, I was still eating, like, unhealthy food, but I said, and at least... I'm going to cut out like the sweeteners. I'm going to cut out the soda. I'm going to cut out the sugar. So that's something that you can do, and it really motivates you. You look back and you look, you know, you send yourself an email every week, however you do it. You got a journal, you got a diary, whatever you need to do to record your progress. It's something that really motivates you during the times that you feel like giving up. So that's the third principle, the principle of evaluation. The fourth principle 
is the principle of cooperation, that I must get group support. I don't want to spend too much time on this because I know that we have been talking about life groups and we have been sharing the need for community and, and doing this in a community you know, every week, and it's so important. But I don't want to talk about the importance of being in a life group. I want to talk about how to maximize being in a life group because I believe just showing up to a life group, just being physically in the room, just being, you know, having your name signed up is not enough to say that I have group support in, in the Daniel plan. Romans 12.4, St. Paul says, For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the other. This principle is only as powerful as you want it to be. Okay, now let me teach everyone in this room how to have shallow community. Okay, for anyone that's sitting here, if anyone wants to have shallow community, let me teach you exactly how to do it. Because I actually am, am pretty good at having shallow community. The key to shallow community, number one, most important, do not invest in other people. Don't invest in other people. Number two, don't encourage anyone else. Number three, never open up. Never open up to people. Okay? That is the keys to having shallow community. And if you want shallow community, you can have it until kingdom come. And you know something I discovered? Okay, something I discovered recently is, you know, some people kind of complain, ah, oh, there's no community. We never have community. There's no fellowship. Why have no fellowship? And everybody, they love to use the Greek word, kinonia, and all that. There's no kinonia. You know the people that complain the most about fellowship and community are the people that invest the least in others. The people that complain most about community are the people that invest the least in other people. That if you want real community in your life, you have to invest in other people. You have to show up. You have to be present. You have to care about other people. You have to care about other people's struggles. You have to ask about people. You have to pray for people. You have to encourage people. You have to open up to people. This doesn't happen by being in the same room. It's not like uh, metamorphosis or whatever that stuff is. It, it, it doesn't happen automatically. You need to invest in people. It's not enough to be in a life group. That's the first step. You sign up for a life group. But after the life group, you need to be invested in other people so that other people can invest in you. That's what the Daniel plan really offers you. Believe me, there is nothing about food or fitness or focus or, or friends that the Daniel plan can teach you that, you that I can't give you 20 bucks and send you to Barnes and Nobles. You can go find a book. You can go find a book that'll teach you how to eat right, how to exercise, how to you know, focus your mind, how to do all that. The two things that no book will teach you that the Daniel plan gives you is the power of God and community. And those are really the two make or breaks. Like those are the two deciding factors. That is the difference between a short-term change, like we were talking about. That is the difference between something that lasts for two weeks and a lifestyle change that lasts me for the rest of my life. The power of God and community. So that's the fourth principle. The last one is the principle of motivation. Finally, I must nurture my enthusiasm. Ralph Waldo Emerson, the great poet, said, nothing great has ever been accomplished without enthusiasm. Can you imagine like sitting around one day and you know, like turning to your wife and saying, you know what? I got some time today to kill. Like, I got nothing to do on a Saturday. Why don't we get out of like our $200,000 debt today? Yeah, you know, that sounds like a plan. Maybe if I got some time to go, let's do that today. Or, you know, those guys always kill, you know, you know what, I think, you know, maybe I, at the holiday season, I gained a couple of pounds. You know what, 
maybe tomorrow I'll, 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 I'll start a diet. Hey, can you give me the potato chips over here? Like, like you know, can you imagine doing something amazing with little enthusiasm? Or if you think about the guy in debt, says, you know what? I got the collections agency coming after me. I got to buy a house. I got to do all these things. I need to get out of debt today. This is urgent. I am motivated. I am inspired to get out of debt today. You can't do anything great without enthusiasm. We need the right enthusiasm. And the question is, where does long-lasting enthusiasm come from? Like, you know, it's so easy to be excited the first days. Like, everyone's been to that retreat or that conference or that New Year's Eve where everyone says, I am excited to do this. I am pumped up for this. And the first couple days go by and you're pumped up. And then after a little while, things start to wean off. My question is, how do we have lasting enthusiasm? How do we have lasting motivation? St. Paul concluded kind of these principles of, of, of change, long-lasting change. He said in Romans 12, he said, Never be lacking in zeal or motivation, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. St. Paul said, you want to know where my motivation comes from, where my enthusiasm comes from? He says, my motivation comes from my eyes on the prize, on the ultimate goal of everything I do is serving the Lord. He says, every day I wake up, and there's hard days, there's bad days, there's tough days, but I look and I say, you know what? My ultimate goal is serving the Lord. As long as I keep my eyes focused on that, ain't nothing going to touch me. And I'm so excited to go through the hardships, to go through the trials, to go through the tribulations, because the ultimate goal is serving the Lord. And I never take my eyes off of that focus for one day. I'm reminded of this when me and my wife went to like a marriage conference a couple years ago. It's called Weekend to Remember. I know a lot of you have been to it. It's a great conference, you know, wonderful. It's put on by a group called Family Life and highly recommend it. Wonderful conference. And they do something that's really cheesy at the end. I really couldn't get into it, but it's completely cheesy. Basically, they make all the couples stand up Okay, and all the couples stand up and they like gaze into each other's eyes and they lock hands and they renew their vows. Okay, and the, 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 the head guy, you know, if you don't get married in the Orthodox Church, it's the whole like sickness and in health, richer or poor, till death do us part. And they say that and then you see these like big guys crying and it, it's a complete mess. But, you know, my wife likes it, so whatever. <laughs> so we did it, okay, and I was thinking like, that was really, really, really powerful. Of course, I never admitted that to her, but that was really powerful because, like, I stood in front of an altar several or four years ago, and I made that commitment to her, and she made that commitment to me, and we made those vows together. And then a couple years later now, we're looking at each other, gazing into each other's eyes, and we're making that same commitment. I'm thinking, man, those are the vows. That's like, that was my enthusiasm to get married because I wanted to be there for richer or poor till death do us part, all that stuff. That was the reason I got into this. That's my motivation. That's my enthusiasm. And I renewed those vows, and it motivated me to be a better husband, or to at least be like a decent husband, <laughs> okay? That was my motivation. Same thing with your Daniel plan goals, that if you want to do great things in the Daniel plan, you need to wake up every day and say, you know what, God? I want to do something great here. I want to do something great with the food I put in me, with my exercise, with my focus, with my faith, and with my friends. And the reason I want to do it is because of this goal. It's because of my eyes, is, is because I have this desire to serve you. You know, like I remember, and, and personally, things that motivated me, especially for the food aspect and get healthy, was when we were doing the Daniel plan at the time, my wife was pregnant. And she was pregnant and we knew it was a boy. So I said, you know what? 
I need to get healthy for my son. I want to be around for years to come. I want to throw the ball with him. I want to, 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 to play ball with him and do all this fun stuff. So I need to get healthy. I need, you know, to, to, to change my life. So what's your motivation? What's your desire? What, what is the prize that you have? If you don't have one, then, then, then don't do this. You need to get one this week. If you don't have an ultimate goal and not just the goal of, I think I should get in shape. I think I should lose a few. That's not, like, that's one of these goals. We need one of these goals. We need something that's an ultimate prize. We need something that we can look at and wake up every morning and say, God, you know what? I need to make a change in my life. I need to do something here because you are too precious in my life. Like, you have given me so much, I need to give back to you. Whether it's my body, whether it's the food I eat, the friends I have, the faith I have in you. That's going to pull us through. And that's going to be our enthusiasm for carrying us through this Daniel plan. So those are the five principles of lasting change. And like I said, you can apply those principles to any area of your life. But this week, specifically in your life groups, you're going to be talking about the area of food. Last week we talked about faith. And this week you're going to be talking about food and the importance of good food in your life and the connection that food has to your health. Something I never realized is that each one of us, okay, and I know this sounds kind of weird, but each one of us has a relationship with food. Each one of us has a relationship with the food we eat. Sometimes some of us are in an abusive relationship with the food we eat. Some of us are going back to food that makes us feel bad, that makes us sick, that causes bad stuff to happen to us, that makes us feel worse about ourselves. Doesn't that sound like an abusive relationship? Like if, if you were with a boyfriend, a girlfriend, that made you feel bad about yourself, that made you look worse, that made you feel worse, that made you feel sick, short-term, long-term illnesses. That's an abusive relationship. But we want to get to a healthy relationship with our food. We want to get to eating food and putting food in our body that nourishes us and, and, and makes us healthy and makes us our optimal health, makes us feel better about ourselves, makes us wake up better, makes us wake up feeling better. That's what we want to get to. And the reason I, I, I say all that, well, actually, I'll get to that uh, after. Do you guys want to do a taste testing game? Yeah. You guys want to have some fun? Let's do a taste testing game. In the back of your book, if whoever has a book, okay, there are a ton of Daniel Plan recipes that they have, like, pre-approved Daniel Plan recipes that are good for you, that are natural, that are, like, from scratch, all natural ingredients, Okay. So in order to do this game, I'm going to need a volunteer. We need some crowd participation. I need a volunteer. Mr. Sean, Mr. Sean, give Sean Chopper a big hand. Okay, we're going to do a little game here, okay? Okay, Sean is an expert food critic, actually. Okay, are you an expert? Yeah, he's an expert. Can we get a microphone for him right now? Okay, Sean is up here. Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring two plates of the same dish, okay? We actually have two dishes. They are both a Mediterranean kofta kebab dish. One is a kofta kebab dish from the Daniel Plan recipe. Like I said, chapter 10 in the book, there are tons of Daniel Plan approved recipes. There's a kofta kebab dish in the Daniel Plan. It is Daniel Plan approved, nothing added, all natural, low calories, very good stuff. The second kebab is a kebab from our friends at Moby Dick, House of Kebab. Okay, so I'm going to ask, Sarah, can you bring that up? I'm going to ask Sean, who's Mr. Food Critic, to taste both of them and see if he can tell which one is from Moby Dick, bad kebab, which one is from the Daniel Plan, good kebab. Okay, so we'll let 
Sean, take the other. Hold one. Okay. You're not trying to poison me. No, no, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> Easy. One at a time. Yeah, there you go. Okay. That was sample one. Sample one. I'm not messing with the samples. Okay? Did you make this, Steve? I did. I did. This morning, 7 a.m. That's why I was late to church. That's why I came after the gospel. Jay's thinking this one. Okay. Very good flavor. So he tried both of them. Okay. Should we ask the crowd? How many people think it's this one? How many people think it's this one? How many people know where this is going? How many people are smart enough to realize that neither is from Moby Dick? <laughs> Do you guys really think I was going to risk him choosing the Moby Dick one? <laughs> the whole Daniel plan would be ruined. Like this whole talk would be nothing. Okay. Both, okay, but okay, but let's ask Sean. Sean's got a microphone. I haven't tried the second one. Oh, you, oh, you didn't try it? Oh, <laughs> then I fooled it, okay. Okay, but let me ask him now. Now that you know that both are from Daniel Plan, how did this taste? Okay, you're an, a kebab expert here, okay? How did this taste? Amazing, amazing. I can't believe you made this, Steve. <laughs> it's light. It's light. It tastes like a real kebab. Very good, okay. <laughs> Give him a hand. Get, actually, you know what? Here's your parting gift, okay? There's the kebab, okay. My whole point of that little dumb exercise, okay, is that you don't need to sacrifice good food for good health, okay? That you don't need to sacrifice good taste for good health. Like, you can have the best of both, okay? Last thing I want to do is show a video, okay? And this video is really a personal testimony. Oh, is it going to play? I don't want it to play yet. Yeah. It's a personal testimony of someone, obviously, who I love dearly, okay? And it's really... It talks about her kind of journey to good health, okay? And it's something that happened in her life a couple years ago that when I say shook up our marriage and shook up our lives, I mean it shook up our life, okay? And it's something that, you know, completely turned our life upside down. So we're going to look at her testimony, and then we'll conclude after. So a little over a year after I got married, I began to, I began to feel sick regularly and I would get sick really easily. I had really dry eyes and joint pain and neck pain and back pain all the time and really bad fatigue. After I saw what seemed like a million doctors and doing many tests, I ended up getting diagnosed with an autoimmune condition called mixed connective tissue disease and secondary fibromyalgia. Waking up in the morning was really painful and difficult and the deep chronic pain rarely subsided. And the fatigue made it difficult to want to do anything at all, let alone work. Eventually, I had to quit my job the following January because I was unable to keep up with its demands and my health was deteriorating. I tried numerous medications with little relief. I stayed home throughout the summer and slept all day, but no amount of sleep seemed to help and no medicine seemed to help. Everything ended up changing that following August as I began to learn a little bit more about the deep connection that food had to my health and the power of good food to really restore my health. I began immersing myself in reading and learning everything I could about food and health and making a plan of action for myself. I chose an organic and primarily plant-based diet with special recipes and ways of cooking the food to retain valuable nutrients. It also included a lot of fresh vegetable juices every day that helped flood my body with a lot of enzymes and vitamins and powerful stuff in order to give it what it needed to heal and to wean off all the medications I was on. I remember telling people about this and many people thinking that I had gone off the deep end, saying that it was extreme, not understanding, not caring. 
I didn't really care at all because I was so desperate that I needed something to work. Within the first week, I had a lot more energy. After two weeks, I felt a decrease in my pain and all of my other symptoms. And within the first month, I had completely weaned off of all of my medications and I was feeling better than I had ever felt in my entire life before. Sleep was suddenly rejuvenating and refreshing and I woke up feeling amazing and ready to conquer the day. My pain and my fatigue and all of my symptoms were literally completely gone. I felt like I had been given an entire new life. I went to my doctor and she didn't even recognize me. The bags under my eyes were gone and I was a different person. My blood work ended up telling the same exact story. She didn't understand it, but she told me to keep doing what I was doing and that was the last time that I ever went to see her. After a few months, I transitioned into a maintenance lifestyle, meaning I still juiced, but not as much, and I still ate primarily plant-based, but not with such strict limitations. I learned more and more about foods and how to read labels and to know what was good and harmful, and I've maintained my health through lifestyle choices ever since then. Since then, I've also seen several family members and friends change their health just by understanding how important the food that they put in their body every day is. I truly believe that God designed our bodies perfectly and he designed natural and whole food to sustain us in our best health. I also believe that this perfect food that he created has the power to heal us from the inside out, just like it did with me. I feel that God has opened my eyes personally to this to be able to share my testimony with others. There's so many people physically living at this level and not feeling their best, whether it's being fatigued or with ailments or whatever it is, when you could really be living up here. My ultimate dream is that we can all end up being freed from our physical chains and live the best life that God has planned for us. Just to clarify, when she said a little over a year after I got married, I got really sick. Those are two separate incidents. <laughs> okay. I saw some of you say, yeah, obviously, based on who she got married, of course, that makes perfect sense. On that note, we can stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings. We thank you, Lord, that you are so faithful to us, Lord, and that the gifts that you give us, Lord, are so precious, Lord. Our own bodies and, and all the amazing gifts that you give us, Lord, you give them to us, Lord, so that we can enjoy them, Lord. So we ask you, Lord, to allow us to offer these gifts back to you, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to give us the power and give us the strength to overcome the obstacles, Lord, that, that are in our way and to live our best life for you, Lord, to serve you, Lord, with our, our life, to offer you everything back. We ask all of these things through your holy and precious name, through the intercessions of all your saints, Here's when we say thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And forgive us our trespasses. Those who trespass against us, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Christ Jesus, our Lord, the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll see you back here next Sunday for week three of the Daniel Plan.